Welcome to the Cornerstone Podcast presented by Global Grace Ministries. Thank you for joining us today. I am Francis Wessel, the host of the podcast. We have been studying the letters to the church in the book of Revelation. Before we discuss today's letter, I wanted to remind you that each one of these letters was written to an actual church. The letters were addressed to the pastors of the churches in seven thriving cities, which were located on a circular road. Some people read these letters and think that Jesus here was talking to a symbolic church, but that is untrue. These letters were read by people who congregated in neighboring cities that were located in what is now Turkey. That is important because these congregations did not exist hundreds of years apart or in different regions of the world. All these congregations existed at the same time around the same places. They were all experiencing similar circumstances and challenges, and yet, each one reacted differently to their challenges. Since each letter was addressed to the congregation's leader, we can conclude that the maturity of each congregation and how each congregation served God had a lot to do with their leadership. Of course, I am not saying that church leaders are the only ones responsible for the church's health and maturity. Each one of us is responsible before God for our walk with Christ. But leaders are accountable before the Lord for how they tend to their congregations. With that said, let us start discussing today's subject. We entitled this episode In Bed with Jezebel. Go with me to Revelation 2 and we will read verses 18 through 28. It reads, To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, love and faith, service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of her ways, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you, except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thyatira was about 40 kilometers or 25 miles from Pergamum, the church we studied last week. Pergamum was the home of a lot of wealthy people and well-known politicians. Many wanted to rob it because of its wealth and beauty. People wanted what Pergamum had. Since the people in Pergamum did not want the riches stolen, 
they built a layer of protection in their neighboring city, Tayatira. The citizens of Pergamon built in it a military outpost designed to confront eastern invaders. Thousands of soldiers lived in the city of Tayatira in tents that encircled the city. To sustain all those soldiers, Tayatira became a commercial center. The city was noted for its trade, mainly purple dye. Lydia, one of Paul's converts, came from this region. Acts 16.14 tells us this. Despite being small, Tyatira was known for its well-organized trade guilds. To work in the city, you needed to belong to a trade guild, which presented a big problem for the city's Christians because each guild had a patron god that they worshipped. Every trade guild meeting started with a worship time to their god and ended in an orgy. You were expected to participate in all these activities if you were a guild member. Everybody needed to participate in a guild to keep their jobs, make an income, and sustain their families. If you did not participate in those activities, your membership was revoked and you could no longer work in the city. The biggest challenge in all this was that you could not just leave a city in those days. Rome will assign you to live in a city where you had to stay. Therefore, the Christians could not just go to a city where they could have an easier life. We do not know who established the church in this city. On the surface, this church had love, faith, and good works. They were even described as patient people eager to grow, but Christ recognized their deficit. Jesus introduces himself in his letter to this church as the Son of God. Remember that there were people in these cities who knew Jesus as the Son of Man. Please notice that with each introduction to these seven churches, Jesus reminded them that he was no longer just a man like them. He is our Lord. To me, the fact that he told them that his eyes were like blazing fire, Jesus was telling them here that he is also a judge who will judge their sins. Fire in the Bible symbolizes either purity or judgment. Whatever is not purified by fire gets burned or destroyed. Friends, Many people see Jesus as the loving Christ, which he is, but since he is also God, he is a just judge. Many in the body of Christ love to talk about God's mercy, but they forget that there will be no need for mercy unless there is justice, and God's justice demands the judgment of sin. Jesus told the Thyatira church, you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Here, there are two different interpretations regarding who this Jezebel was. Some scholars believe that a woman whose name was actually Jezebel was teaching false doctrines in this church. Others believe that a false teacher, influenced by the spirit of Jezebel, was inciting the Tyra church to sin. I wish I had the time to go deeper regarding the spirit of Jezebel in this podcast, but for lack of time, I will just say that Jezebel in the Bible was an evil queen who married a king of Israel named Ahab. Jezebel killed many prophets in Israel, tried to kill Elijah, and did horrendous deeds on behalf of her pagan gods and against the God of Israel. The spirit influencing this woman is now called the spirit of Jezebel. It usually manifests itself in powerful and influential women 
who come against the word of God and the prophetic mantle in the church of Christ. Men can be influenced by this spirit too, but usually women are more susceptible to it. This woman had infiltrated the church in Thyatira and was teaching the congregation false doctrines. She probably had convinced some in the church that the only way to survive was to participate in the sexual immorality of the city in those trade guilds. Usually, these types of teachings start by convincing the people that the sound doctrine should not be accepted as something for their time. I recently had a couple that asked me how I felt about my teaching on sexual abstinence for singles since the church does not teach it anymore. They informed me that now they know that love covers a multitude of sins and as long as the couples love each other, sex among single people is not sinful. The worst part of this type of declarations is that the people say them with such conviction that if you are not firm in your faith, you can be confused. Friends, the fact that some churches are not calling sin, sin, does not mean that God has changed his mind about it. Disobedience to God has been a sin since the day Satan sinned against God and will be sin until Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. Jezebel in the church of Thyatira was also allowing people to eat contaminated food. Now, many people may not understand what this means. God does not care what we eat. Christ said that the food, once it's consumed, goes down to the sewage. Food sacrificed to idols for us means contamination between what is sacred and what is evil or between truthful doctrines and false doctrines. For example, many Christian churches have allowed the infiltration of many Jewish traditions in the last decade. Many Christians celebrate Jewish feasts, dates, and ceremonies. I have nothing against these celebrations for the Jews. They are full of wonderful biblical history, and all of them point towards Christ. But as a Christian, I have no reason to keep a Jewish feast or be a part of the Jewish law. Why would I return to a messianic shadow when the Messiah lives in me? Many people see these mixtures as something wholesome, but we cannot mix Christ and the law of Moses. One replaces the other. The same goes for cultural celebrations and traditions. For example, I am a Salvadorian, but I do not celebrate the pagan feast of El Salvador. The day I became a Christian, I became a citizen of heaven, and my heavenly citizenship overrides any other human citizenship I may have. Remember that as people of God, we live in the world and respect the law of the places where we live, but we are not of this world. Jesus tells us in the letter to Thyatira that he gave Jezebel time to repent, but she was unwilling to do it. Last week, I shared with you how God dealt with one of my former pastors who was in sin and did not want to repent. Have you heard that saying, you made your bed, now lay in it? Well, here Christ promised those who commit adultery with Jezebel precisely that. When Jesus spoke about adultery, it could have meant that some people were having sex with this woman or that they have become one with this woman, which happens whenever you have sex with people. Jesus goes on to say he will strike her children or the product of their unions dead so that all seven churches knew that he repays each according to their deeds. 
people of God, sin always produces death. That is why we should not mess with it. God allows us plenty of time to repent. But if we do not, it might take time, but eventually death always comes. Another thing I want us to notice is that God does not repay us for our intentions, but our deeds. Many people tell me, Pastor, God knows my heart and knows that I want to do what is right. Sadly, God does not pay us for what we want to do, but for what we did. If we do good, he blesses us. And if we do bad, we get in trouble, period. Now, because God is just, and there were people in that congregation who had not been contaminated by what Jesus called Satan's deep secrets, he tells them, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. This declaration tells us that in the same congregation, different types of people are tempted and exposed to sin, but not everyone sins. Some people walk in the fear of God and do not sin. To those, Jesus said, keep walking like that until I return. To those who do his will until the end, he promises authority over the nations and the morning star. Here Jesus promises to share his authority over the nations with the victorious ones and also promises them himself. According to Revelation 22:16, he is the bright morning star. I want to make a parenthesis here to remind some of you that in Isaiah 14:12, Satan is called a morning star. But in Revelation 2, Jesus is not talking about a morning star. He's talking about the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Satan is a creature. It may be a poor imitation of the creator, but it is not God. Jesus is the lion of Judah, and the devil, like a lion, seeks to devour God's people, but he is no lion. Do not think for a moment that Jesus here is promising Satan to the victorious ones. People of God, let us search our hearts. Let us examine our doctrines. Many preach a gospel of freedom and tolerance that has brought many mixtures to the church. You do not want to be among the people trying to figure out how close they can get to a sinful life without sinning. As a child of God, you want to run as far away from sin as possible. Examine everything you hear by the light of the Bible. We are living in dangerous times. Friends, if I am going to err, I'd rather err on the side of holiness. The last thing we need to do is be in bed with Jezebel. For information about our ministry, please write us at info at globalgraceministries.com. Thank you and God bless you.